This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the IFL TV podcast in association with Lonsdale MTK Global, sponsored by William Hill. This is Kevin Cassis for IFL TV in association with MTK Global. Delighted to be joined by Eddie Hearn of Matchroom Sport. Are you just sport or? Mr. Sport, I guess. Mr. Sport? Yeah. All right, fair enough. Uh, Eddie, before we get started, I just want to obviously send our thoughts and prayers to Errol Spencer. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Terrible car accident mm. yesterday. It looked uh, horrific. So. Yeah, hopefully. Um, I mean, at this stage, obviously, we don't know too much, but I think uh, Tim Smith from PBC said uh, it's not. Doesn't appear to be life-threatening injuries, and he's talking and stuff like that, which hopefully is what I've just said is true. And you know, boxing kind of takes a back step at this time. You know, someone said to me, "Oh, when do you think he'll be back in the rings?" Like, mate, he's alive. Just, you know, but. Um, yeah, I, I don't know the full story. I think he flipped in his Ferrari or something like that. Um, hoping he gets better ASAP. Definitely. Um, we're in Chicago, a couple of days away from... Did uh... This one, like, just to let everybody know what's happened, is you were like, we'll do a piece today, but can we do a deep in-depth one tomorrow? So this is the deep in-depth one, is it? Yeah. So, so no, this is the no one... about crisps. Uh, this is the kind of interview where crisps will come up. Obviously, the great news is it's got a little bit chilly outside. Polo necks are back. Result um, for everyone. Yeah. And I've noticed, actually, that a lot of people in the boxing industry are trying to rock the polo. Mike Coppinger, you know who you are. Leonard Ellaby, I know you like a cheeky polo neck as well. So we're back. We're back. The polo necks are back. You'll see a, a mixture of colours throughout the season. This is actually a new colour um, that's what been is introduced. Hern blue? This is... Um, no, I call this one a cheeky blue. Cheeky blue. Yeah. So take a lot of thought into that. Yeah, this is a cheeky blue, and you'll see others as we go through the dates over the next couple of months. It didn't really dawn on me until probably on my way here that I was here for your first design metric mm. show this time last mm. year. Coincidentally, in Chicago, was that yes. done on purpose? I, no. <laughs> no. Ironically, it wasn't. Um, you know, it's been it's been a really mad twelve months. Um, I mean, I've worked my absolute bollocks off 
but I'm actually quite proud. It hasn't all gone to plan, and there's some things we could have done better, but I, I can't, I couldn't have give any more, like without getting ill or just conking out, you know, and that's probably on the, the verge anyway, but it's like I've put everything into this. I've been everywhere I can. I've worked 20 hours a day, probably consistently. Um, and yeah, it's, it's been a really mad 12 months. I'm really proud of what we've achieved in those 12 months. You're gonna get the naysayers and the critics, but don't forget we come from a standing start you know, in terms of the zone and matchroom boxing USA. We were unknowns out here. We weren't ESPN getting into boxing, Fox getting into boxing. We were a, new, a newly launched platform that was coming in against all odds. And when you look at the fighters and the fights and the schedule, you know, from AJ to Ruiz to Canelo, Kovalev, Jacobs, Golovkin, Usyk, Callum Smith, Katie Taylor, Billy Joe Saunders, Demetrius Andre, Tevin Farmer, Devin Haney, I mean, I've missed out Jesse Varga, I've probably missed out Dimitri Bivol, God, it's just endless. And we're really proud of what we've achieved. Got a long way to go, but our success or our, our failure will not be through one at trying. There will be no one that tries harder or works harder than us on this project. So I feel as though, and, and you know, the other thing I was thinking um, this morning or last night, I can't remember what it was, of just the, the experiences it's given me in my life, you know, like the traveling, the learning, the buzz, the disappointment, the ups, the downs. It's been a year, like 12 months, I feel like I've lived five years in that 12 months in terms of experiences. So I'm truly blessed, you know, to, um, although sometimes you just think, why am I doing this? When you look back at it and reflect, it's 12 months that I'm very proud of and I know that we've got a long way to go. It, what is mad that literally say you've been running for 12 months with Design and Metrum, 13 months ago, should we say, mm. before kind of when you launched, did that press conference, mm. like no one really knew who Design was. That, that's, I think, the biggest achievement. Yeah. He's coming into a mind. I remember sitting down with um, Mikey Garcia in about July last year, and I was telling him all about Design, and I was telling him all about Metrum, and he was looking at me like as if to say, this kid can sell, but is he fucking, what, who is he? You know, and that's the problem. In the UK, I feel like we can, on, a, on an even playing field, there's no one that wouldn't choose Matram, right, to sign with. Over here, obviously we're coming in just completely unknown. People have seen what we've done in the UK, but again, DAZN have had to work extra hard because they're a new platform. No one had ever heard about DAZN before our launch 12 months ago. So. And again, we have unquestionably, and whether you're a fan or a hater, you cannot ignore that the zone schedule is the best boxing schedule in the world. And Sky Sports, but in, in the US, the zone is by far the best schedule in boxing. By far. And they should be very proud of what they've achieved. Again, you know, we've learned a lot, some great moments, some bad moments. Um, but all in all, coming from that standing start, there is, I don't believe there's a boxing fan in America who doesn't know what DAZN is. Do you, do you agree with that? If you're a I boxing mean, you fan, have, then you no, have to, Exactly, so we've covered that market. Subscription numbers are great, and the period coming up of just that Triple G, Derevinchenko, Usyk, Progress against Taylor, Canelo against Kovalev, um, KSI against Logan Paul, and Joshua Rees, we're gonna smash the subscriptions out of the park. So really positive going into 2020, 
but also know that it's another year of massive commitment from everybody and another year of ups and downs and you know, anything can happen in this life, this game, this world and that's why you've always got to be ready to deal with whatever comes at you in life. Because there was a perception that when you first started that you were kind of just going to chuck money at everyone. I, spent, I said in an interview the other day I haven't spent the money because I didn't feel that the opportunities were necessarily there. It's not a case of coming in and just wasting money and overpaying fighters. We've had to overpay fighters because we're coming in from a standing start. You have to look at the obstruction that we got when we come into this market. You imagine people talking about us behind closed doors. Design, what is it? D-A-Z, what is that? Oh, they won't pay people, or they ain't got the money, they won't last three months. Eddie Hearn, what does he know about US but That's what the fighters were faced with. And as we've gone on over 12 months, as more and more people have been signing to Matchroom and to DAZN, other fighters are taking note. And now we can have conversations with pretty much any fighter out there that's available and that they're all interested. And I feel like if I'm a fighter, you know, what I said about if I'm a fighter in the UK, I want to sign with Matchroom. I think if I'm all being on a level playing field, if I'm a fighter right now and I'm a free agent, I sign with Matchroom and DAZN in America. And we've got to keep consistently making sure this is the best place for fighters to be. Financially, yes, but in terms of activity, in terms of promotional support, in terms of trust, in terms of great places to be. And that's what we're, we're attempting to do. There's also been a perception over the last 12 months that you haven't really given a fuck about the UK market, mm -hmm. which you've had to kind of address on several times. Yeah, and, and again, we've bounced back with probably the best schedule that we've had in a long time. I and mean, when you look at the... But, but what about the 12 months that have just gone... No, I disagree. I think there was a, just a change. It was never that we don't give a fuck about the UK. The UK is our most important market because it's a market that we have had for a long, long time. We have a great relationship with Sky Sports and it's our home market. It's my home. It's where I live, right? So I'm not going to just abandon my home market and territory and the UK fans. But you have to understand, with this new infiltration of money, came a change in the market in terms of what fighters wanted. So we've had to pay fighters what we can't afford to pay fighters in the UK. And we've had to sometimes put them in fights in America. So, you know, the, the fighters now are earning so much money that the UK sometimes can't even keep up with that. So we've had to sit down with Sky, we've had to adapt, we've had to look at it. And Callum Smith's a great example. You know, traditionally, we could never afford to do Callum Smith, John Ryder because of the levels of money that someone like Callum Smith, who's number one in super middleweight in the world, could be, could be earning in the global marketplace, you know? So it's been, a, it's been a big test. I feel like if you're a Sky subscriber, the content that you have, but also the content that you've had from America, and particularly this upcoming schedule, is probably the best it's ever been. So, um, it's not, that's not been easy, because fighters, you know what fighters want, pay well as much money as possible. And if there's an opportunity for them to make more money in the United States, that's where they want to fight. So now it's about, and, and, and couple that with the stars that have moved away from the sport. David Hay, Tony Bellew, George Groves, James DeGale, uh, others probably as well. So, you know, it's, it's like a new transition now, and that's why we have to look at people like, obviously, Katie Taylor headlining, Boatsy, Josh Kelly, Joe Caldina, you know, these guys to come through, Connor Ben, to come through 
and Luke Campbell now established now as a, a big name in the UK, Callum Smith. These have got to be the Saturday night prime time guys. And we've got to consistently grow them and make sure that we develop the stars of tomorrow. Because when you, when you have a business and you're trying to invest in a sport, you don't just look at the next six months, you look at the next six years. And we need to make sure, obviously you've got Tokyo dropping uh, next year. Or we want to make sure we sign all the top talent out of there as well. And we'll be making big bids to do that. And uh, the next wave of fighters coming through after that. So you have to have a consistent plan. But again, we've spoken about this before today. I know you're talking about building for the future. But today, the gap between kind of Joshua, mm -hmm. your out and out pay-per-view star, doesn't mm -hmm. matter if he's fighting me or you, he's a pay-per-view mm -hmm. star. That to the next person, whoever that is, there's a massive gap. But that's always there. been the way. That's always but been the way. Is that a case of how big Joshua, Joshua is? Just a, Joshua's a freak in that respect. Joshua is a commercial freak. You know, let's, let's look at it. Joshua has boxed, uh, he boxed over a two year period, twice at Wembley, selling 90,000 and 75,000, and twice in Cardiff, selling 80,000 and 75,000. Like, when have we ever seen that? So that's an unfair comparison. We have seen him being a complete standout star and he'll continue to be that star forever how long he's in boxing, to be honest with you. Um, and then, you, you know, you're right, you do have the next level of fighters. So who is that next level? Dillian White, Callum Smith, Luke Campbell, <laughs> Casey Taylor. Um, you know, you've got the ones underneath, Boatsy, Kelly, Caldina, you know, the ones coming through. Um, but there's so many things that can happen. I mean, I'm looking at it now, I'm thinking, next week in Newcastle, we've sold 9,000 tickets, right? And I start looking at the winner of that fight, and I think, well, if Robbie Davis wins, he could be in a massive domestic fight against the winner of uh, Progress Taylor, if it's Josh Taylor. And then I start thinking that if Lewis Ritson wins, you do Josh Taylor against Lewis Ritson at St James's Park. You know? Like things happen in boxing so quickly, and you've got to be prepared to go with that. But when you look at UK boxing right now, we have by far the biggest names in UK boxing, but there is also the desire from UK fighters to want to take the biggest fights available to them, and most of them are in America. That's why you've got Tyson Fury, may never box in the UK again, unless it's against Anthony Joshua. Um, who else is a big name they've got? Carl uh, Frampton disappeared. You know, he's gonna go and box in America. Josh Warrington's struggling to get a proper fight. He'll probably have to go to America as well, you know? So, we have to maintain the quality in the UK, but we can't just kid ourselves and say that fighters want to fight in the UK for less money, you know? Fighters want to have the biggest fights available to them for the most amount of money. You, you said to me before as well, like, you've said this loads of times to me that there's people in boxing that just, like, you related to, to Anthony Joshua, you said that are dying for Joshua to lose. And it's like they want you to fail as well. But that's, that's the world we live in. We live in a world of people that sometimes don't back themselves to be the best and are insecure and generally realise they're not good enough at what they do or in their life. And that's how you get negativity in people. Why would someone be a negative person wishing for someone to fail? Very simple because they're insecure and they don't believe in their own ability and they know they're not going to achieve anything. Otherwise, why would you be negative to all people? You know, if you're in a good place, 
mentally. If you're in a good place with your strategy on life, if, you're in a, if you believe in your ability and where you're gonna to get to in life, all you would ever do is wish people the best. With me, I rub people up the wrong way. That's what I do, that's me. You know, and some people have said to me, Eddie, do you think you should have come into the US a little bit quieter? That's not my style. I'm not gonna change. Why should I not be me, right? You love me or you hate me. That's, I'm fine with that, I understand. I know what type of person I am, right? And I'm happy with that person. So I'm, I'm good, right? You can slag me off, you can hate me, but I'm comfortable in what I do. You won't find me hating on other people. You won't find me wishing for people's demise. Yeah, publicly. No, but publicly, that's... Yeah, but, all right, okay, give me an example. Yeah. So if you found out someone else's show in America or in the UK hasn't sold well, you don't have a cheeky little smile to say and go, ha. That's not... Because that is... But, yeah, but pe people sit there and pray for that, you know? Like, I know, I know people in the business, because people have forwarded me messages where people are, like, texting about my shows, going, oh, I've heard this thing, say, oh, this will be fun, oh, oh, ha, ha, like... That, you know, if, if I see Bob Arum is slating me about, oh, he can't sell tickets, right, and then his biggest fighter in Tyson Fury sells 3,000, I don't... I don't go ha ha ha, but I do find it quite amusing, and it does give me a little bit of wood, right? But that's another story for another time, probably for no contact term. But people people prey on your demise, and I find that again, going back to no contact term, find that quite gives me a kick because why would someone? And listen, I'm sure in your world, there's people who are out there in the YouTube world of boxing report who think you are an absolute prick. They think you're arrogant, they think you get more access than anyone else, they think you're like an arse lick, they think all these things, and they're hoping that you fail. Do you not Is that think what that? people think, or is that what you, you think? No, that's what people Bro. think about you. Tell me. Oh yeah, sorry. No, but that's life. You can't expect to be successful in what you do without getting criticism and hate. That's what comes with it. But you've got to try and focus, I've always said, just focus on what you're doing, believe in yourself. You, you can't, you can't, look at, look at footballers or look at like people who just get to the very top, look at the stick they get and the hate they get. Why? Because this young kid had a dream to reach the pinnacle of the sport and he worked his absolute bollocks off to get there and he got there and you just want to slag him off. Why? Anyone that achieves that, anyone that gets to the top of where they want to be, respect them. You don't have to like them, but you have to respect them and you shouldn't hate on them, you should say congratulations. It's like with you. All these people slag you up, I say respect him, alright. He might be an absolute penis, but he's done it. He's gone out, he's grafted, he's got the basis of those, that business, that channel, those views, and you've done it off your own back. Yes. People have helped you along the way. Yes, I stuck a lot of money in in the early days, but you have got there off your own back. So don't hate him, like, you know, don't hate, appreciate. But more, just say, well done. Don't have to like you. I mean that, seriously, like, you, for what, and it, this appeals to so, to so many different people, but look at what you've done. You've done it, right? You've gone out, you've grafted, you got me to pay for everything early doors, that generally, that's the truth. Um, you've gone, you've got yourself sponsors, you've built your own platform. Well done. You don't have to like you, but you don't, you shouldn't want to wish failure on people. It's a really bad trait, and I promise you it'll bring so much negativity to your life. If you're on that social media and you're slacking people off all day, how do you expect 
to 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 walk with with class and with, with a smile on your face, you know? Wouldn't it be a better place if the world just said, you know what? That Eddie and that coon, he's a bit of a knob, but I'll tell you what, hands up, respect. He grafts, he deserves it, you know, he's he's got there and good luck to him. You know? That's that's the mentality that people should have. It's not, oh you're great, I love you, ooh, it doesn't have to be like that. But you can't, you can't. I look at people sometimes and I look at the comments on social media and I just think, sorry, and I just think, how miserable must you be? But I think we have learned the massive difference between the proportion of people that would write things to you doesn't quite add up to the amount of people that have come up to you and said that to you at a show, for example. No, but I'm not. I, and I, I appreciate that and I respect that. But at the same time, I want those people that have all the negativity in their lives to try and get some positivity. Because if, you, if you're just breeding negativity, how can you possibly achieve anything positive in your life? Does that make sense? And I just think that, I think the online world's fascinating, I think it's amazing, but I just think there's so, when you look at some people with their comments and stuff like that, you just think, mate, you can't be happy. It's impossible to write stuff like that and be happy. Like I'll put a tweet out and literally, within five seconds, there is 12 posts with people giving stick and abuse. Like, you, there is no way if you're writing something like that and you're showing that negativity that you can be in a good place. You know? But then I guess social media has also opened the opportunity up to communicate in a way that maybe these people couldn't communicate before. Do you think on the whole that's a positive thing as in how we use social media for boxing or is it split? I think social media is, um, I mean look, do you want to go somewhere else? It's very loud, look clanking. And they're going to be putting the backdrop up in a minute. Can we, can we slip there? But yeah, come not, not quite as good uh, light as before and obviously no, no branding but We'll carry on. But the wallpaper company is getting it's nice. Yeah, shout out to the wallpaper company. What were we saying about social media? It's all about social media and kind of overall does it have a negative or a positive It's not influence? a great, it's, look, it's not a great world we live in, is it, where anybody can say anything to anyone they want effectively. And I'm thinking more for my kids growing up because there's nothing that stops kids, you know, like sometimes I'll look at um, you know, my kids' comments like on the group chat or something like that to make sure no one's saying anything. Like, you know, so yeah, I break into their phone, yeah, I know it's bad. Your but, kids are on group chats? Yeah, like to their oh. school friends. But that's the world, I know you're not a father, but that's just, it's scary because you know that someone that says something negative to, I mean, I've got two daughters, so it's probably a little bit different. If I had a son, it might be different, but you know that that could have a really negative effect on them. And you know, today is Mental Health Awareness Day. And when you live in that social media bubble and someone starts saying horrible things about you, it can have a really detrimental effect to your wellness, your mental wellness. And I feel like a lot of these people who commit suicide, and I'm talking about from high profile people, 
down to a kid at college. A lot of that comes from this social media world where, you know, when we were growing up, I mean, you might get someone say something nasty about you in, in, in the playground, right? For you, it might have been Tarquin. You know, Tarquin said to you, oh, Coogie, Coogie Bear, darling, are you, off for, are, you, are you coming to lacrosse training tonight? You know, from me, being in the East End, you know, in the rough, like they'd go to me, Eddie, you fat prick, and I'd have to go up and I'd have a straightener on the Canning Town cobbles, right? Who's Tarquin? <laughs> oh. It was all made up, but, but, you understand? Like, you, when that's we were growing we, up, it wasn't like you, you, you with, yeah. but if someone didn't like you, you might think he don't like me, he's slagging me off behind my back, and someone might say, he said this and he said, but it's every day. These, you know, it's, and it's not, it's nothing new for these kids to be in a group chat or on Instagram and someone says something horrible or someone comments about a picture and, you know? So, and that's worrying as a parent because I feel like the world we live in now is crazy and I think it winds people up and I think, you know, you talk about, I don't know, gun crime in America. You know, these people are almost like, their, their minds are being warped to do something crazy and I think a lot of that comes from that social pressure of being different or a recluse you know you get someone that's a little bit at school there was always someone wasn't there it was just a little bit different a little bit weird a little bit quirky but now that person's getting told that all the time and they're they're rebelling against that and they're becoming almost like a recluse like a loner you know and then they start getting into other things might be a cult might be some kind of community where they feel loved and they feel accepted and taken in. Getting seriously deep here. You, you, you would have done this as well because we're of similar ages. You're two years older than me. You wouldn't think it, to be fair, but you know. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> no, don't go there. You started that's, looking at my barn I was like, 100% I'm getting a hair transplant, by the way, 100%. Oh, you are? Yeah. Uh, no, but when you was at school, you're right, in those kind of in the 90s when yeah. you would have gone into school. If you had a problem with someone, you'd like arrange to have a fight after school, wouldn't you? Oh, you're where you come from, Coop. No, you know but I mean? that used to happen no, in yeah, St. Yeah. John's. In, yeah, yeah, in yeah. No, that's just what happen. it is. There'd be fights in the playground, no, well, but you'd go home. filming it. No. And phone, let phone your problem. Yeah, yeah that, that's a major problem because I've got to say, and when we were growing up, the older generation would always say, wouldn't they? Oh, it's not like when we were growing up. We used to leave the door open and next door would pop round. If they needed some milk, they'd just pop round and get some milk out of the fridge. Oh, when we were growing up, there was none of this, none of that. And now we're in a stage where when we were growing up, there was none of this. So where are we gonna be in 20 years time? It might be in a really bad, horrible place. Because to be fair, when we were growing up, wouldn't you much rather have grown up in that era than this era, right? So the era where kids are doing this, right? Walking around like this with their phone, filming everything commenting on everything, putting pictures up at everything. You know, I mean, I have to say to my, to my daughters, you know, we sit down at the dinner table, no phones. All right, Dad, yeah, all right, Dad, next thing. TikTok's on or whatever this dance app is or something. Good. No, but we're all, we all must do more as people and parents to try and instill that, because then they're on their phones and I go, no, next thing I'm having a look, and the missus is down the end looking at Daily Mail or something else, what's going on, and then we're, all, we're not communicating. And communication, when we talk about mental health and stuff like that, that's the key to making sure that you are okay, because when you just sit there on your phone all day, digesting negativity, which is what happens, particularly if you're on social media, how can you be positive? Does that make sense? 
That's why I don't really read as many of the comments that I used to. I'm not ashamed to say it, but I don't need to be, it's all very well to say, I don't take no notice of that, but when it's like you're just seeing it, seeing it, seeing it, why would you bother, you know? Concentrate on yourself. If you believe in what you do, if you trust in what you do, you shouldn't worry about what other people think. But it's all very well saying that. If after a while it's like boom, boom, you know, and especially around like the AJ defeat, the Dillian White stuff, like it was like two months of just absolute constant stick. And I just thought to myself, I don't need to be reading this every day. You know, I, I know that I'm a good man. I know that I'm working as hard as I can. I believe I'm doing the right things. So trust that. Don't listen to some geezer. That's the mad thing on social media. And I know it's like I joke about transformer pajamas and knocking one out in your mum's it, but... It's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't but what you're saying is, is how this world, this crazy world where someone, you don't know the backgrounds of these people, they could be the biggest losers of all time. They don't try an inch. They don't work a day in their life. They're arseholes to their wives. I don't know, they're terrible fathers. But they're giving you untold stick. And you might see it one day and go, oh, and that's, that's, that's made you feel like shit. How do they, don't give them the right to do that. You're say giving today, them the power. Yeah, but, you're so, but yeah. also, you can't, you have to embrace, like why are we, you know, I don't mean to say like, why are we so big? right, in terms of what we've done, because we've embraced social media, right, we've used that community and that platform to grow what we do, so I can't just walk away from it and say, sorry guys, you guys are pissing me off, I'm off social media, but you have to filter it, so I say to like Dave Allen, that when you're, when you're reading it all day, it doesn't matter if 5% is negative, they're the ones, you know, every now and again, someone will send me a message, and I'll reply, and I'll just like, might wind them up, or they might just, touched a nerve, so I'll just go back and say, fuck off, you, you know, just give him a little bit of light banter. And people go, why do you reply to him yeah, when you don't reply to me? Yeah. And I'm praising you all the time. Yeah. Because that's the stuff that gets through in here, and I appreciate this, Paul, and I really, you know, anyone that stops me in the street and says, Eddie, I love what you're doing for boxing, keep at it, mate, fucking, that, honestly, that does make me feel amazing. But it's the, the I'll say 5% with me, it might be 50% of the ones that dig you, and, and, and they're the ones you bite to. So. No, for anyone watching this who has given me support, or in any way, I thank you, and it's massively appreciated, and it does make me feel amazing. People, anyone that say they don't that support, or people saying nice things don't make you feel good, is bollocks. And that should be an example to everyone, where know that your kind words and your messages of support make people feel good and motivate them. Shouldn't you want people to feel good? You know, I want you, like genuinely, I want you to be as happy as possible. All right? Genuinely. No, genuinely, genuinely, not generally. No, right? Genuinely. Genuinely, I do. And, I, and that goes for, I don't know, like 98% of people that I know. Who's the two percent? I won't go into that, but no, but there are people that you just think, prick, fuck it, like, and that's just life. I don't like that geezer, I don't like that geezer. I don't wish bad things on him, but just some people you just don't like, do you? But generally, if you, if you make, making people feel good, is a really nice ability to have, don't you think? Right. No, I agree. There's a few people in boxing I don't like, but I don't like, wish bad upon no, them. No, no, you I don't. don't. But you just think I don't see like him. It's the same. But if, what they, I'm if they do well, they do well. If they don't, they don't. I just don't have any opinion about it. But what I'm saying is, is sometimes we don't give people the time that we could or should, 
not because we're bad people, but just because we might be busy with it. So just try and realize that if you can have a positive effect on someone, and some people can have more of a positive effect than others. You know, I could talk to a young fighter or a boxing fan, and it could make him like, oh, we had a great, you know, or AJ or Usyk or these kind of guys, they can change people's lives. Yeah. It's very, it's hard for them because they're just inundated all the time. But you realize that AJ talking to a young kid or a young fan can change his life and his mindset. You know, if he says something that resonates with that young man, that could change their entire path yeah, in life. And that is so powerful. And we shouldn't take that for granted. There's a, there's a guy, um, Patrick Day, who's fighting on the undercard yeah. here. He's fighting a guy called Charles Conwell. Charles Conwell's undefeated. Patrick Day was undefeated. Took a couple of tough fights. Lost one, I think, or two. And basically, this fight for him on Saturday is... It's kind of like... Shit or bust for his career. And I... And he walked past me in the lobby last night. And I was, like, running through. Anyway, I just finished the phone call. And he said, hi, nice to meet you. Thanks for the opportunity. And I, just, and I thought... And luckily, I wasn't like a zombie thinking about someone else. And I just said to him, you know, and I started talking to him about his career and how important this fight was. And I went on one of those sort of victory war speeches and I could tell that it, it, it really lifted him. Do you know what I mean? And that was easy for me to do. So many other, so many other situations. And again, like people coming up to me saying, Eddie, are you? Like, Give them time. I, I know it's hard because sometimes you're busy or I'm busy, but by chatting to these people most of the time, like just spreads good vibes. I don't feel there's a lot. A lot there's like there's a lot of good vibes anywhere right now. Like when I walk anywhere in London, I see miserable people. You know, when I get the trains, I see people running off that trains like sardines, just in a, in a rat race. You know, I don't see many smiles. I see frustrated people, I see angry people, I see negative people. Don't get me wrong, amongst some great people and some happy people, but I don't know. I don't know how we change the world. But I just feel like there's a real negative vibe to everything, you know? If it's not the media trying to frame someone or put them or call them out or ruin them. You know, it's someone else on social media saying this and doing that. And maybe a lot of it stems from football. I don't know, that sort of mental... I don't know, I just feel like... Unless you play for a club, everybody else outside of that club and supporters just gives you untold stick all the time, don't they? I know that's... What are you going to say? That's football. And okay, but if you choose a, that perfect, I know, but like, of football, that I don't know. Is, Listen, I'm not saying football's the, the reason. Thing. Football, boxing is yeah, a but, like that, is it, but don't you feel like, I don't know, do you think it's enjoyable to be a footballer? Like, and I know the morons of this world will go, oh, fuck off, Hearn. He's on 500 grand a week. He's got seven cars. He's got a mansion. Trust me when I say that ain't the be all and end all to life and, and happiness, right? So, you go out, like, these people, they can't... What can they do? They ain't going to go down for Costa, are they, for a coffee, like, in the local town, or, or go down, go out in London if they're from... Like, they're constantly under almost, like, threat and surveillance, and it doesn't matter how much money they've got. I bet you, 
when you speak to some of those guys, and, and AJ's probably including this list as well, what they'd give just to be normal again. You know, but their dream as a kid was just to be a Premier League footballer, wasn't it? And they don't realise the stuff like with Rooney. He, I did the podcast with Rooney in, in Washington, and I was—he was at the show on Saturday. And like, I see him. Sorry when, about the podcast. Uh, sorry. Sorry about it, mate. Sorry about my podcast. Yeah. What the number one podcast in the so UK? They've decided not to renew you for uh, the second season. Wrong. Oh, sorry. That's wrong. What and told me well, actually, wait, wait and see the news that's coming out. Not just about the podcast. But other TV shows as well, dropping shortly. <clears throat> um, but you see Rooney in America, I kind of feel as though he's a lot happier because no one really knows who he is. And you can live that normal life, that normal life. But if you're a top footballer, you're just under a microscope all the time. From the media, from fans. I don't know where we're going with this one now. But I just, it's like I Gaza, know. isn't it? Gaza walks out his door. Yeah, but it's, that's the media, isn't it? I mean, but you'd be filming that. You know, you'd be all over it. You, you're all over anything for views. Not really that's thinking a, about. That's a lie. Not really thinking about people's that's personal feelings. That's a lie. Wow. Nah. <laughs> Do you know what I tell people about IFL TV? Go on. This is what I say. The best footage we've ever filmed, we've never put it out. Which is what? Trying to think what that might be. You won't know everything that's never been put out, but do you know how much footage that's never been put yeah, out? Yeah, that's probably the best. Well, footage. you've got so much integrity, and, you? so much, so much well, journalistic yeah. integrity. They haven't got journalistic integrity at all. <laughs> oh, okay. For example, yeah. On, yeah. Can I, I'll give you an example, yeah. If we finish this interview now, yeah, you went down round, round the corner to the toilet, yeah, racked one up, not that you would, because you don't do drugs. Excuse me. Hold on a minute. Just play the game yeah. for a minute. Rack one up along the side, yeah. And there I am like, with my phone there, and I'm thinking, oh, look, Ern's on the fucking quiver, right? Film him. What do you think that I do with that? Be honest. I've got footage of you, and this is completely hypothetical, by the way, because... I, I, I just think that, I mean, you know, the setup you did last week with O'Hara Davis and Tyrone, I mean, that was... <laughs> it wasn't set up. You know, I mean, that was borderline EastEnders. Do you know what I mean? It weren't set up. Yeah. Are they all dropping the camera on the floor? Yeah. You know, Filming the rest on the floor while you just got here. Anyway, what was I meant to do? No, but listen, that was good. I thought it was good. I think some people thought it was true. Um, but yeah. Anyway, that answers your question. What would I do with that? I don't know. Send it to a couple of your mates. Let them put it out instead. Do you, is that what you think I do? I don't know. Honestly. I don't know. But I just feel like they live. They live in a in a bubble, and I, I can't even remember where we're going with this. Just think, there's a lot of negativity. What, what do you think when you see, you know these videos that get shared, that we don't like to see, but we do end up clicking on them. Like, I think there was one kids that went viral. Another kid, yeah, yeah, like there was one, there was one mm. that I think a lot of people in boxing shared recently. Mm -hmm. um, is that a good thing or a bad thing that that gets put out? Probably a bad thing for the kid. I mean, I don't know. Kid, kids are kids, right? And. If they're behaving like that, like what we saw in that video, there's a reason for that. Generally, what do you think that reason is? Who's the blame? Parents. Of course, the parents. But also, the blame has to be with the government, in my point of view. Because I feel like kids these days, opportunities are being taken away from them, whether that be educationally or particularly in a sporting sense. Well, they just have enough, like, they just, again, did I, 
was I talking to you about the kids that I met on the train? Umar. Umar. Same thing. You talk to these kids and you think, the only thing you're interested in is Instagram. You know? The only thing you might be interested in is playing a computer game. What chance have these kids got? And, and the bad kids, it's not, it's not that you want to... It's one thing sharing those videos and saying, let's find these kids. They need, to, they need to clip around the hero. That's what they need. They don't. They need help. They need guidance. They need to be shown about discipline, respect, work ethic. And how do you do that? A lot of the times, through boxing. But at least through, I think sport really is an art, the answer to a lot of things. I know some people think I'm talking bollocks, but when you see kids play sport and you teach them how sport should be played, you teach them about discipline, respect, you get them working hard, training hard, physical activity, get some air in those lungs, clear the mind. That is what can help people focus on, on a better future. You know, these kids who are going away, they've got nothing. They're beating a kid up on the side. Yeah, they do deserve a clip round the hero as well, but you've got to mend them. You don't mend someone by giving them a clip round the hero. And as a parent, it's the same thing. Sometimes my daughters drive me absolute, like I find myself sometimes like, shut up, and then, but that's not gonna solve anything, is it? Telling them off, talking to them, teaching them, showing them about life, showing them about working hard and achieving something, giving them focus, finding a passion for something. That's what we have to do as parents. Yeah, but, yeah as parents, but that's the first line of whatever. Isn't but it? what are you going to do? So you've got these kids, how old are those kids? 12, 13? Yeah. Well, they don't know anything about life, do they? So what are you going to do with those kids? Well, I'll tell you what's going to do with those kids. They're going to get expelled from school. They're then going to go to another school where they're just treated like, you know, outsiders. And then they're going to get expelled from that school. Then they're going to go into some youth detention centre where no one gives a fuck about them. They just walk past every now and again and just sort of go, oh, you, and they, they don't learn, they don't try. And then what are they gonna do? They're gonna go out and they're gonna join a gang or whatever and they're gonna sell drugs and they're gonna realize this is the only chance I have. The only chance, no one cares about me. And the reason these kids behave like that is because they feel just like that. No one cares about me. They've all got the biggest chip on their shoulder. They ain't got a chip. They've got a baked potato on their shoulder where they're saying to people, no one gives a fuck about me. My family don't give a fuck about me. The government don't give a fuck about me. So fuck you, what am I gonna do? Fall in line and do a carpentry course? No, you don't care about me. I'm gonna go and do my own thing. Because when I'm in this gang, when I'm with my friends, when I'm with these boys, I feel as though they're my family, you know? And we roll together, we work together, okay, we're doing this. I, didn't get that. I do, but yeah. I said I said I said something in the Umar interview where it didn't really come across well. I said I don't blame the kids for selling drugs. Like no, sorry, I, I said something I like that. I think people know what context. Yeah, what, what I said was, and, and that's what I mean, I don't blame these kids. They shouldn't be doing it and they have to understand it's wrong and it's gonna fuck their lives up completely. But what else have they got? You know, like there's, there's so many people out there who, again, going back to mental health awareness, like there's so many people out there who mentally aren't focused, who, who have no direction in their life. And that's the moment in your life where you really got to make key decisions. And if you're not educated enough to make those decisions, if you haven't got the support to make the right decisions, you're going to make bad decisions in your life. You know, these people haven't got no one telling them what, what they should do. 
you know, and the decisions they should make. So they just get talked into things by other people and other bad kids and do that and he's out and God, like, look at him. Everyone loves him. Wow, look, look at his jewellery. He's got all the girls. I want to be like him. And that goes back to the top boy mentality. You know, I was saying about Umar where kids are watching top boy going, oh, oh mate, I want to be a top boy. But rather than watching a Premier League footballer or a fighter winning a world title or a CEO of a you know, young CEO of a major bank, no, I want to be a top boy. That's what I want to do. You know? And that, that's worrying. And it ain't a quick fix. We, we've got a major problem. And I don't know the solution. It's all very well saying throw some more money at sport. But, you know. But, I mean, you've spoken about this before as well, that boxing has helped, but it's on such a small scale. That it is. Boxing's, look, boxing's going to change a handful of lives mm. in every community. But that's a start, isn't it? I mean, and it's, it's something that's very obvious. Speak to people. Speak to AJ. Speak to Richard Reactor. Speak to Dillian White. There's loads of kids. John Harding Jr. Yeah, of course. But that's, you're talking about a small sample of people. The problem is not 20 or 30 people. The problem is millions. And I really feel like our country's going, going a horrendous way where we get, we're getting further and further and further into this problem. And you know, coupled with social media and all these things aren't helping. And I think we've got major problems. We've got major problems. I mean, would you wanna, would you wanna raise your family in London right now? No. I know, exactly. So you start, and then you get people who just want to fuck off, go to, you know, and that, that's what you'll end up happening. Right now, you know, you, people are looking at where they're raising their children. I, mean, I don't want to be here, you know? And that's not great for a great city. Were you in a gang? No, no. I went to a private school and I was the biggest Jack the Lad character in the school. I was cocky, I was... Was you bullied at school? No, I was probably, I wouldn't say I was a bully, but I was the loud kid that would like, you know... No, were you bullied? Not were you no, bullied? No, I wasn't. No, because I was like, I was the, I was like, my dad was the boxing promoter, I was hanging around with fighters, I thought I was the nuts. I was a, I was a brat at school, brat. It was only when, it, when you, at, at Brentwood where I went, you had to get Six GCSEs. You went to Brentwood seven. High School? Brentwood School. Brentwood School? Yeah. You had to, no, seven GCSEs from A to C to stay on to the sixth form. Right? But anyone that was good at sport, they would make exceptions for. And I was good at sport, believe it or not. I was in the first team at cricket. I was, I mean. Badminton. Bad, uh, fencing. Fencing. Yeah, lacrosse. <laughs> and I got six GCSEs from A to C and the rest were D's and E's. And my dad had to go up to school, and he sat down with them. Him off. And he went, I know like, he's one short, but obviously he's in the first team, captain of cricket, and you know he's a good sportsman, so we're all right, geez, aren't we? And they went, nah. And they went, what? He went, don't be silly, I've sponsored all the sports awards for the last six years. And they went, nah, sorry. Because I was horrible. I mean, I was really, I had no respect for the teachers, answer back. I, I wasn't, you know, I, I think that I was, I was a good kid, but at school I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't really happy there. I sort of rebelled against being told what to do. Bad trait for a kid, but it's just how I was. What schools were you at then from, like, I was junior? at uh, I was at Brentwood Prep School and then Brentwood School. Before that I was at a school called PNU in Onga. And then when I got kicked out, effectively I'm kicked out, but didn't, didn't let me into the sixth form, 
I had to start looking at where to go. And I went to Havering College in Romford, right? Where basically everyone from Barking and Romford and Ilford and all those areas, Dagnam, and goes to Romford, Havering College. And I didn't really, I didn't really care back then. Like I just thought that's another school now. I mean, is what it is. And my mum dropped me there on the first day, and she was like, you know, people were like going in, like trousers around their knees, like just like rucksacks, and like they looked like they couldn't care less. My mum was just like, she told me after that she just broke down in tears. Like as a parent, I think all they ever wanted, you know, my mum and dad come from no money, but they made money and they wanted the very best for me, so they put me into Brentwood. Now I'm going to this Havering College with all these kids from East London, and oh my God, my, and it was the best thing I ever did. I went there, I took my A-levels there, and I remember sitting in business studies, and it started, the class started with about 20 people in, and I didn't know anyone, I didn't have one, there wasn't one person that went there that I knew. So I went in there, like got pally with a few people, and then as the weeks went on, or days went on, People would just sit in a canteen, smoking weed outside, like, whilst their lessons were going on. So I said to my business studies teacher, I said, can I ask you, like, if you don't come to class, what happens? Nothing. <laughs> and he went, well, it's up to you, isn't it? I went, yeah, but, like, and at Brentwood, if you said something, it would be like, detention. And that, that would fucking infuriate, and, and you, I'd end up rebelling against that, right? So he's like, I said, yeah, but so well, you can just sit downstairs. He said, yeah, but what would be the benefit of that for you? And I was like, yeah. So for two years, I think I might have had two or three friends at Havering College, that was about it. Between every lesson or break, I would go to the library and I would study and I would read and all that kind of stuff. And I ended up getting three A-levels which was a massive shock to everybody. And then I came out of there, but it was the way that I was taught, you know, it was like, it's very simple. If you've got to motivate yourself sometimes, sometimes you've got to be the one who's responsible and you've got to turn around and say, I was an arsehole at Brentwood. But I was like, I was always getting into trouble and I always felt that they were picking on me as like the, you know, the loudest and probably the biggest arsehole. It was like Hearn, blame Hearn. You know, it's always that. And I, it was, but it was like, oh, you Hearn. I was there, but I, you get attention. What about everyone else? It's always me, isn't it? And it was like, I was angry at that school. Went to Havering College, and no one, got, no one really cared about the kids there, but they sort of, they put it on a plate where it was like, you've got to motivate yourself to do it. I could have really just gone right off the rails there. But luckily, I had enough about me to sort of say, all right, might as well get on with it then. And, and that really changed my mentality against that place. I mean, don't get me wrong, it wasn't a great place, but yeah. That, that, that just made me think that you got to change because I was just, yeah, I was just brash, kid, flash, check the lad, you know. Oops, uh, anyway, that was my education. You know, I went to Sheffield, didn't you? Did you really? I thought you went to Billericay or St John's. I did, but then after sixth form, I went to Sheffield four days. That's supposed to be a decent school now. It is. Well, it was then. What happened? Why did you go after four well, days? I'm feeling it. Yeah. So I went to South End College instead and had the best three years. Do you know what? South End College is probably quite similar to Havering College, really. 
doing performing arts. So you were doing? I, I started doing law at yeah. um, Shenfield, and then yeah, told me mum and dad, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. What do you, what, what do you want to do, Coogan? I want to be a dancer. <laughs> That you said? <laughs> you imagine it. I want to be a dancer. That's what you said. No, I said I want to be an actor, didn't I? But I don't know. You see, it's it's not. But that has shaped me to here. Whatever Havering has shaped you yeah. to Chicago today. Possibly. But I think um, you've got to find yourself, haven't you? I think at some point you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and say, I've got to change. You know, I've got to, I've got to get me nut down here. But it's very difficult to do that when you can't see the light. Listen, I had a great upbringing, very lucky, you know? And I had parents that would teach me about the values of life and, and the man I am today. Did you have to earn your money as a child? Yeah, my dad, my, listen, my dad was petrified. Do you know how many times I'd come back and say like, um, I remember once, we went out, we were going out in the city all the time. This is when I was started work at 18, something like that. And uh, you probably won't like me telling this, but we ended up, I don't know what happened, we was in this bar and we had a fight. And- Who had a fight, you? My mate started the fight and anyway, we ended up all getting involved, but we come out on top, right? Nothing major, it was like pathetic, we were like 18. But I was quite like, yeah, you know, like we're in this bar and it's, you know, like, and I came home and I told my dad the next morning. But I guess the way that I was telling my dad was like, yeah, do you know what I mean? And like, he swung for me and bosh and like, and he's grabbed me. I say around the collar, I think it's probably around the throat. And he's pinned me up against the wall. And he said, you think you're a fucking tough guy, do you? Like this, and I'm like, you know, and it, when my dad used to lose his temper, like now he never loses his temper. Back then he was working in boxing, right? And he said, you want to you fight on the street? You want? You said, you know, people, you know, one bit of bad luck, you hit someone, they go down, you know, you're in, you're in jail for life, you, you right. And I honestly, just made me think, fuck, like, and I think it just, the, your parents, everything that I am today is because of my parents. I have the qualities of my dad, which is the hardest working geezer you will ever meet. Absolute relentless man. Right? And I have my mum's finer qualities. You know, the appreciation for money, value, not money, value, working hard. You know, a good balanced home life, which is difficult for me at the moment, but you know, like all those good qualities. And then I have my dad's personality sometimes, but will to win, work ethic, salesman, ship abilities, you know? And everything you are is through your parents. You know, different people have different effects on your life. Not everyone's parents will be their role models, but I was. So, all those times, I drove my parents mad when I was at Brentwood. Do you know, like they spent a fortune on educating me. And I was, I was, a, I, was I mean, I deserve clip rounds here, you know? Like my mum, who was a, a very intelligent lady, really just wanted me to excel at school, you know? Just wanted me to be, and all I excelled at was sport. So you shit. a bit of a prick, yeah. I was a total prick at school, I was. But I was 15, 14, 15, 16. What has it exactly changed since then? Still a prick, probably, but just, I don't know. I don't know.
I'm kind of obsessed, really, with with achievement and work. I think sometimes people say, "Why do you? Why are you working like that?" And I think maybe the only thing I can think of is that maybe I'm trying to outperform my old man. Your you know? dad or the composition? No, my old no, my old man, my dad. Because I grew up with everybody saying to me, "Yeah, but you're only in the Essex team because you're dad," and you only got a job there because you're dad. It don't matter what you do, you got your dad. So the only way I can be successful is to outperform my dad. You know, people don't realise I worked for six or seven years in in London, in America, before I started working for Metro. But no one, it's irrelevant the, now. The window place? No, that was in the early days. What are they called again? Uh, Weathersill Windows in Romford. And who was the person there? Uh, not even sure. I don't even think we've discussed that. Who was the woman that you were trying to find? Fanta Punch. That was a, <laughs> that was a, that was a BDS yeah. sponsorship. Yeah, yeah Fanta Punch. Um, so I worked there, I worked, you know, and... But I was always going to be Barry Hearn's son. So... Is it a case more now that, oh, look, there's Eddie's dad? Yeah, that's, we, we joke about that all the time. We had that the other day out somewhere. But I think when you know the sacrifices that he made for Matrim, and when you know what Matrim means to him, that's when you know it's your responsibility. That's why we're fucking unbeatable. Because we're not a company. You know, you know, we are a huge company. We're a family business. Check the stats, right? Over, especially the growth over the last five years. Just in the um, top track 250 of companies in Britain. We're privately owned. And when you read that top track 250, it'll tell you 100% the Hearn family. Right? No investment, no borrowed money, no shareholders, just us. And Matrim to him is everything, everything. And it is to me as well. That's why we're unbeatable. Because it's not, oh, we've got to go and report to the shareholders. Oh, fuck it. We work for this company, they're all assholes. It's us. So we take it very, very seriously. But, yeah, all good, mate. Is your mentality like, we won't, or you won't be beat, mm, or you can't be beat? Both. We, both. Won't and can't. Can't because we're too good, and won't because we work harder than anybody else. This is what I say to young fighters, it's what I say to anybody. If you're good, and you have a consistent work ethic, and a great work ethic, you are unbeatable. Unbeatable. How can you be beat? If I'm the best promoter in the world, which I truly believe I am, I'm going to sound arrogant, and I work harder than anybody else. How can I be beaten? It's impossible. Are you saying that as a... It's not a question. To there's, no, there's no answer. The answer right, is you right. can't be beaten, Eddie. But, but do you know, that goes for you. If you do the best interviews, if you do the most views, if you're the best at what you do, and you work harder than everybody else, how can you be beaten? The only thing that can beat you is a poor strategy. So... Um, and that's why you have a great team of people. You know, Matrim Boxing, behind the scenes, is run by a huge machine now. I'm just a puppet, I'm just the guy they just wheel out at press conferences, at interviews. I'm the mouthpiece. But it's a solid team of individuals who are outstanding at what they do. That's what, why building a decent team and delegation is the most important thing to a business when it starts to grow to a significant size. And that's, you know, they're the unsung heroes, if you like. They're the engine room. I'm just the face who just 
Eddie, go there, go on, go and start talking. That's right, man. Um, so, yeah, but you can't, you know, if, if work ethic is everything. Some people have got good work ethic, some people got bad work ethic, some people are demotivated. I think everybody has the ability to show great work ethic, but if you're demotivated, how can you work hard? That's why it's easy for me to be motivated. It's my life, it's a family business. But how do you motivate those who, it might not be their business, and every day they have to go and get up and be in that work environment? That's why, I'm not saying everyone at Matchroom is walking around you know, with a smile on their face, that's why we try and create a great work environment. You know, great office, gym, pool, wellness, fun times, a few beers now and again, celebration around events, you know? You've got to get up and enjoy what you do. Otherwise you won't give enough and you won't give the quality. Hard work beats talent. When talent doesn't work hard. What have you got? I'm not that, I'm not that, listen, I'm not, I'm not overly bright, like academically bright. Um, You've got six GCSEs. I've got three A levels as well, but I'm not, I'm not, listen, there's millions of people cleverer than me. Millions of people. Whatever I got, I can sell. That's all you. I'm, really a, I'm a dynamic thinker. You're a numbers man. Mm, I am, but only because of what my dad instilled in me. I mean, he's a true numbers man. Um, I just, I won't be beaten, and I, you can't work harder than me. It's impossible. It's impossible. Look at my schedule. Look at what I'm doing. People saying to me, "How do you do it?" I mean, how do you, how do you work like you work and remain so handsome? And, and I just say, it's just, it's, it's a blessing. Um, that was a joke, by the way. Was it? <laughs> you didn't laugh. I'm surprised you haven't done your hair by now. All right, mate. The thing is, talking of uh, hair transplants, two options, right? A new treatment that's come out, which is called stem cell replacement. I know, do, do you know how many people have had hair transplants on the slide? I know a lot of them and I am gonna call them out. Um, stem cell, which is apparently, they take like a little bit of skin from behind your ear and inject where you need hair, which is quite a lot of places, or the full shebang. Have you seen Razor Ruddock's hair transplant? Mate, he's unbelievable. The guy was completely bald. And it, now he's got like a, a proper hairline. So I'm, I'm gonna go for one of the two and I've decided I'm probably gonna do it in December. Um, yeah. I love how you're talking about it and not just kind of drifting into a new Barney in the new year. Nah, because you gotta be honest, someone's gonna notice anyway. So I think three or four years ago, I wouldn't have told anyone and I would have gone away for like a two week holiday and just like got it done. But now it's like... Why are you that bothered at like 45 or... No, but you... 40, mate. 40, sorry. You had your 40, sorry. No, when you're younger, you're more bothered, aren't you? About your opinion. Are you talking about why am I bothered to have a hair stem? Yeah, yeah like you're set. It's not like you're... No, I want to... No, because I've got... I've, I've now... I'm back in the gym, right? So I'm thinking... Next summer... Picture the scene, alright? We're on the boat in Ibiza. Speedos. I'm ripped to shreds. Full head of Barnet. Yeah? How you doing? Nah. But I just, I just feel to myself that I'm, I'm approaching that age now where it either goes, shoom, and I want to go, shoom, 
And I think that only happens with looking after yourself. So I just want a few more strands. I want to get in shape. And then I feel good. You've got to feel good in yourself. You've got to be happy with yourself, you know? You can't, what's the most important thing in life? Your family, making sure they're happy. And honestly, my family's happiness over mine, like in every day of the week. But let's be honest, look at you. You're in a gym now all the time. You were a right slob before. So you feel much better with yourself now, don't you, than you did. But I'm not digging you out, mate. That's just an honest conversation. It's Wait, true, right? Before? Oh, mate, you were it. Mate, did you see the one from No Context Hurt with me talking about bending over and taking one? Have you seen the state of me? I think I do know what you're talking about. Well, that, was, that was when I was out all the time, drinking, going out, eating all the time. I looked dreadful. If I went, continued on that path, I'd probably be dead now. Like heart attack or whatever. So you've got to look after yourself. Probably a little stem cell injection in the barnet, in the gym, on the creatine. Got to do some weights because my guns are terrible, but I'm, I'm back. I'm, my weight's coming down, I'm feeling good. Um, and then next summer, let's, me and you, next summer, in the swim shorts, in the speedos, let's have a little picture. Right. Do you want to see my shape in a minute? All right, mate. I don't you might want to. Is it all legal? Yeah. Where is it? You've had a lot of tats though, haven't you? Yeah. I was thinking about getting a tattoo. All right. Just like on the back of the neck, like matrim boxing. There I am, right It's not really a great picture. You sort of hide in your entire body. Not really, no. No, because I've, I've still got a little bit of a belly to lose. Yeah, but listen, no one's perfect, are they? It's more about feeling good. I've also, oh, I've also got one of you. Right now, I would feel good if I had my hairline was a touch better. So, fuck it, get it done. I don't blame you. Your airline's decent. What have you, what's that? Is that me? You can't say what that is. What a good bit of promotion that is. I'm glad it wasn't me anyway. Um, glad it wasn't me, yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, anything that makes you feel a little bit happier. Yeah. Mine would be a little bit of a better hairline. Yours would be probably, I don't know, what makes you have bigger muscles, like getting rid of the belly a little belly. bit. Yeah. Bellies are. You, you should never stop trying to improve yourself. <coughs> but you groom yourself as well, don't you? Facials. Hey, Eddie, a bit of facial. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it's, it's hard with, with the, the schedule flying everywhere because you just feel like shit all the time. You look like shit and your skin's dehydrated and you're bloated and, you know. It's definitely the travel that's bloating me. It's not the food. Obviously. Edward, thank you very much for your time. How long did we do? I don't know. Album, maybe? Um, look forward to a great show. In thank Chicago. you. Thank you. Yeah. We turned out yesterday. It's good. We got, we're going to have a nice massive influx of. Big Ukrainian community. Yeah, I was yeah, going to say, yeah. yeah. It's going to be banging on Saturday. Um, yeah, one year in. Just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to you. I am motivated. I'm excited. I'm still here. And I won't be here forever. But while I'm here, I promise you 120%. And every decision I make is, I believe, the right decision for boxing, for matchroom, for integrity. Trust me sometimes. There's a reason behind everything. How much is KSI Logan Paul again? Sorry, the car did just stop mm. there. Um, he's done seven. 7,000. I thought it might go a bit quicker, but basically, 
like Staples Center said, that's phenomenal and it will be banged out because in America they just buy a little bit later. Mm. Like yesterday in Chicago, we did like 400 tickets. On fight week in the UK, people have already sorted out what they're doing at the weekend. They don't buy that way, they buy early. So ticket, do you know what? I, I was a bit worried that tickets in the UK would start slowing down a little bit, but they're just going crazy. What are you through at um, O2? O2 through 12,000, but again, selling, when we did the price announcement, sold nearly a thousand tickets in that first day. So I think O2 is gonna sell out. If you haven't bought a ticket for the O2, seriously, buy a ticket for the O2. That is an unbelievable show, October 26th. Um, October 19th, next week in Newcastle, total sellout. Got like, we just actually, Cheeseman gave back a few tickets today which we put back on sale, but less than, they're so honest. I'm, I'm so always honest, honest with you. <laughs> yeah, Cheeseman. Yeah, but to be <laughs> fair, to Cheeseman that. took 300 tickets. They're coming up from Bermondsey. It's a long old schlop. Um, not calling Cheeseman out. That could have been anyone. Anyway. You um, donate a pair to the IFL? I'll don't. You know what? We've got that. I mean, I'll donate a pair at October 26th because I think that's a that's a bigger show and a better prize. That's what I meant. I thought you said October 19th. No. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'll do, I'll do a pair. You'll give IFL pair with rule run a comp? Yeah. How much is Eddie's hair transplant going to cost? I know how much it is. Do you really? Yeah. The first one to come up with it? You got, is this the stem cell or is this the full shebang? Uh, what would he go for? Probably just have a couple of injections to be honest with you. And if it's that doesn't work, I'll go for the full shebang. Full shebang, right? To the, do you know what it is to the pound? No. Why don't we say, no, do you know what? Let us run our own competition okay. with this, because otherwise it gets two people start chucking in loads of figures. Yeah. We'll run our own competition on IFL next week. Okay. Eddie Hearn, thank you very much for your time. And uh, yeah, keep it positive, Edward. Always. Stay positive, people. Thanks for listening to the IFL TV podcast, sponsored by William Hill, in association with Lonsdale MTK Global. Sports Social Podcast Network.